Hello, welcome back to Campbell Conversations with your host, Colin Campbell. And today's conversation is episode 120 of the podcast, and I'm joined by Lex Griffin, YouTuber and entrepreneur. Within this episode, expect to learn about Lex's life and fitness background before the cameras were on for YouTube, including his time at university and even his fighting career. Many people who are interested at all in the fitness space will have heard of Lex over the last number of years, and he's well known as Gymshark's first ever athlete, but there's so much more to the story. We explore Lex's own influences during his early days of content creation, and of course, learn what it was like during that golden era of fitness YouTube with the likes of Matt August, Chris Lovato, Jeff Side, and everyone else that you associate with those initial exciting days of Gymshark. On a personal level, Lex and I met at a shoot with Slater Menswear for Inside Men's Minds, which you may have heard on episode 95 of this podcast. And getting to know each other in such a open, vulnerable environment meant this conversation was also wide open. And we discussed so many different areas, energy, being present, the up and down life of a content creator, dealing with loss, and even coming through a, a divorce and a breakup. Lex and I were pretty fired up during this chat and there was such a flow at times, particularly in the latter half where it's been one of my favorite conversations that I've had in all 120 episodes on the podcast. Before we dive into this one, I want to say a massive thank you for the continued support. And if you're not already following or subscribed in whatever app you're listening on, make sure you hover your thumb and hit that just now so that you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I'm so excited with the direction the podcast continues to go in and conversations like this one are only possible with your continued support. So if you are enjoying this one, take a screenshot, pop it on your Instagram story, or copy and paste the link across to a friend that you think would enjoy it too. Without any further ado from me, let's get into this 90-minute beast of an episode with Lex Griffin. Hello, welcome back to Camera Conversations. In today's conversation, I'm delighted to be joined by Lex Griffin. Lex, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Pleasure as always. And he's straight out of a gym session, so he's looking swollen yeah. pumped. For those that are watching on YouTube, you'll be enjoying this. I'm maxim- yeah, I'm maximizing my uh, nitrogen retention. <laughs> but what I'm, so, you know, with my, my protein shaker that's actually filled with a frappuccino yeah well just as well i, I I'm, I'm affiliated with my protein as well lex i would not be happy if you were punting that and i was somebody else the, hands down the best supplement company we've got to go at the moment <laughs> yeah we can be- i mean i mean as well since i joined them i've been truly shocked at how good they are in terms of a company now yeah i think you and we're going to get on to so many of the different things that you've done over the years but when you are picking partnerships you have to pick something that you would use personally yourself and has a range that supports your followers because you could pick a brand that was really, really good for just you, but the vast majority oh, yeah. of your audience, if they didn't benefit from it, then it's, it's not really, it doesn't really sit well. And, with and also I, I always have it so that I'm allowed to say if I don't like something. Yeah. Like I freaking hate blue raspberry. It's, it's grim. Like it doesn't exist in nature. Do you know that the, the, the blue raspberry flavor is meant to be blueberry and raspberry? did you know that no never i didn't know that for years i just thought it was a classic pre-workout it does not taste like blueberry and raspberry it tastes like chemicals yeah it's always a pta or a pre-workout isn't it Mm. i never understood that with pre-workouts where are we gonna have this right before a workout cool should we make it as acidic as possible then (laughs) yeah awful in your gut what what, so we can feel sick as soon as possible 
<laughs> it's mad. What's my favorite one at the moment? What have we got? I'll tell you what, I've gone off pre-workouts as a whole. And I've just started using uh, just basically straight beta alanine um, in, in capsules. Yeah, easy on the go. Because then you can take, take out all the stims and you can have your espresso before you go to the gym. And you've got the nitrogen retention and vasodilation of just that singular product. And you can buy it. It's called, I think my protein got it. It's called NO2 pump. Yeah. Um, so it's cheap and cheerful as well. Just double the dose that it recommends. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> like anyway. you, you a bit of tolerance over the years. Well, it's not even that. It's the fact that I think they, they always dose things for the average Joe who's going in there just to kind of get fit, do a bit of running, which you wouldn't want. But then, if, but if you're going into lift weights, you want a ma- to maximize the pump. So you want, you want that over pump effect. Whereas if you were running on a treadmill or doing boxing, I wouldn't take that amount. I would take the recommended dose because then you wouldn't pump out. But you can double the dose of it. It's completely safe. There's no stims in it. Um, and you just get a really good, thick pump when you're in the gym. And that's what but we're you, after. Yeah, that and timing carbs around workouts as well. People don't know about this. We were talking about this uh, on, on an episode we haven't released yet on the Crewcast. We were talking about recovery as being a thing. And people neglect calories as a recovery agent. Yeah, that's a big thing. So, uh, calories, get it in a room. Yeah, grouping calories around your workout, especially carbohydrates, that's going to help keep you really motivated when you're in the gym. Keep your energy levels high. Keep you looking good because you're going to keep that glycogen retention to have that pump, and that in turn is going to stimulate you and keep you motivated. Whereas if you're in a cutting phase and you kind of use all your calories evenly through the day because you think, oh, well, that'll keep me happier, it actually won't. You'll end up just kind of flattening off. What you want to do is get your fats during the day and then put your carbs around your activity. And that way the fats will keep you satiated and stop you going fluffy brained, but then the carbs will fuel your workout and help you look good too. Yeah. And you hint straight off that, boom. Yes, boom. The, no- the knowledge bombs have been dropped already. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of what you're saying there as well, because if I think about what my day looks like and probably what yours looks like as well with your laptop working, your editing likes, is we actually need good cognitive performance early in the day. Yeah. So we need our proteins and our fats, particularly as you've said. And then, of course, when it's time to throw down, we want the cells and the muscles being nice and full and pumped with the carbs and then, of course, refueling afterwards. So, yeah, I love that it's super actionable. And for a lot of people listening who are maybe desk workers, it'll be the same. You need to concentrate during the day and then it's go time after work for your training. Yeah, you don't want carbs when you're sat doing nothing. It's no use. You may as well save them and and recruit them around those active times. Tell you, it makes a world of difference. Exactly. Go and try it, people, and tell us we're, we're wrong. (laughs) <laughs> let's pop let's pop a pin in the gym stuff just now Lex I want to go back yep. to before we go into like your recent activities and your focuses and everything you've done I want to go back to young Lex and I want to understand about the early days that shaped you what was it like growing up where did you grow up what was life like oh, okay was we're like um so originally I'm from up north beyond the wall uh <laughs> so I, I grew up in an area called the Ribble Valley which is like a um, a green belt up in Lancashire. And it's a lovely area. It spans with kind of like uh, Clitheroe, Blackburn area was where I, I grew up. Uh, so we went, went, you know, to the old little village school when I was younger, uh, through into secondary school, which was Queggs in Blackburn, and then went to university at Newcastle. Uh, so I did the normal run through the education system. Um, spent most of my time as a kid riding bikes, playing every sport possible, depending on what season it was, cricket, football, the only thing I didn't really play was rugby until I got to uni. And I started playing. Ironically, I went from pure football boy, then got to uni and completely flipped and started doing like Thai boxing and rugby and American football. 
And, and that was actually the main flip of me going into the gym more as a focus to get bigger and stronger. So I've been going to the gym from when I was about 15, my neighbor at the time, who was a, a farmer, uh, invited me to go to the gyms with him on an evening. So he would drive me, we'd in the Land Rover, just toot lot to the gym. And we went to this old school, upper floor warehouse gym. It was called Burt's. It was called, what was it called? Pendle. Oh. Near, near Preston. No, it's, it, was in, it was in a place called Nelson, small okay. town. Yeah. And it was called Pendle Health Studios. That was what it was called. And it was run by this old, old bloke called Bert. And he'd just been there forever in a day. And it was just full of original old school bodybuilders who were just, you know, they were happy to like lend a hand and teach you things. So there's 15, you've got all these people in there who've been doing it for decades. It was great. And it was that, it was one of those old school gyms that even had the Popeye circular dumbbells. <laughs> had a few sets of those in. I've never seen them since. Uh, so that was a really good experience, my introduction into that kind of weightlifting world. Because um, I then also, luckily, in my secondary school, I went on, I did, uh, mainly, I did biology, chemistry, maths. Never do maths at A-level. Stupid decision. <laughs> Stu- worst thing I ever did. I went from being able to be like a, a B, a, like a, I think I got like a B, nearly an A at GCSE. And then A-level maths came. And it was, it was like going from jumping over like a, a puddle to trying to clear the Grand Canyon. It was the level of difference between the two. I went from being able to do maths to just being in a corner with a D hat on my head. <laughs> it was insane. So I hated maths, but I loved chemistry and biology. So I carried those through to uni. But at the time, my biology teacher, one of them was a snow, was he, I went snowboarding with one of them. But the other dude, Dr. Pearson, legend, he, only, he was a guy who was, he looked like he had Johnny Bravo build. He was just super tall, big broad shoulders and things came in. And um, he must have been like six foot three or something. And he took us weightlifting as part of, uh, we had this, he used to call it a tumble session, they called it. So we, we would have our normal sports afternoons, but then we'd have another day for sport. Shouldn't happen anymore. If anything, they've cut it all back, haven't they? Yeah. I think people struggle now to even get sports in schools, but we had like two full separate days of it. Now, one of them was tumble session was the idea that every four weeks you would rotate to something new and it would be like one week you'd be doing cricket and actually be snowboarding then rugby or whatever and it'd flip. But then you could stay in a sector if you really enjoyed it. Well, he set up the ability for us to go to a gym in town with him as a group. And so we started training at 15, 16, with, yeah, just probably about 16, going into town with this biology teacher who just had these, these giant pecs and chest. But the only reason he didn't get any bigger was because his wife wouldn't let him. <laughs> <laughs> genetically he, genetically fine to keep going but his wife yeah like, listen you're gonna burst your clothes we, we can't afford you to buy a new t-shirt <laughs> he was a big big boy i remember i remember watching him in the gym he was showing us how to do chest chest press i remember on the negatives his chest would just go and i just remember thinking that's a bloke that's a man that's how he should look yeah and uh yeah An so alpha role I, model I for really you. lucky in that a really alpha role model for you and somebody to be yeah he was this big gentle guy really intelligent but then underneath this suit that he was wearing was this you know semi-jack dude like he wasn't shredded but he was he was like old school that old school look you know with a big chest narrow waist uh, you know and just good proportions everywhere uh yeah so it was it was kind of inspiring to see that you could be both of these things you know you didn't you could be an intellect and be in the gym and your weight training that. started to get more serious when you're at uni and you're playing rugby. And, and when did yeah. the fighting start? Was that at uni as well? 
yeah, a little bit, but not competitively. So at uni, I played, I went, I, I was actually I was playing a load of basketball all the way through uh, college up to North of England standard. I went for like trials with all of that as point guard. Um, but that ended up falling through because it's Britain and we have no funding for basketball. <laughs> so I actually got in and then the whole thing collapsed. But yeah, it was cool to get to that level. So then when I went to uni, I went for trials with the Newcastle University basketball team. Now, when I was coming up through sports, we were constantly drilled. If somebody makes a mistake, you don't bash them for it. You pick them up and you get back and you defend, like as a team. Nobody worries about the error that just happened. Everybody regroups and gets back. And these boys were running around just, it was solo versus solo. There was no teamwork whatsoever. I remember being just like, what is this mess? There was just ego greed going on. And my roommates were rugby players. So they were like, well, come and try out for the rugby team with us. And I was like, well, I don't know the rules of rugby, really. They were like, well, you don't need to. You're going to be a winger anyway. Just catch the ball and leg it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up, yeah, we went for trials. I ended up playing rugby for the university instead. Uh, just And then because I got into the rugby team, I got so excited about it. I was like, right, I want to tackle harder, hit harder. How do we do that? Well, let's get into the gym again. But this time with a real focus on free weight work and actual bodybuilding to get, you know, because I still did have that awe of bodybuilders because I was... I was looking more towards the older school guys, though, that had already kind of come and gone. But they were the big guys who were up on the pictures in that original gym I went to because it was an old school gym. So you had like Sean Ray in his heyday, Flex Wheeler, obviously Arnold and all these. And even like pictures of Stallone. So that was my ideal, not these big lumbersome 300 pound going to die when you're 40 year old guys now, which is sad. Like, um, I think that the bodybuilding does need reining in a bit. We're getting too many people popping off. Yeah, golden. I mean, you you will get the golden era, the golden aesthetics, like really yeah, the, well, the, smaller. Well, it was probably. I mean, I, it already passed when I was looking at them, but they were probably nineteen nineties, weren't they? Yeah, that kind of that that era. But yeah, now we've got we've had like five people die this year alone already. Yeah, all heart related and God knows what. Yeah. yeah. So the, hopefully we'll see that come back round again and it get more towards aesthetics and stop them. These guys trying to get too big. Yeah. So I went from where are we at? Tangent. I'm good at tangenting. You'll have to keep me in a range. Oh, I, lo I love a tangent, Lex, but I'll bring yeah. you back. Don't worry. So you're, you're at uni, you're getting more into your rugby, you're training for, for oh, like, yeah, that more was size so, now, to get more strength. Yeah. I just started, yeah, trying to do that. So I got more interested in obviously power movements. So just getting my, like your combines in deadlift, squatting bench. And I started to take a really good shape because obviously now I was hitting adolescence as well. So, you know, you're hitting that 18 to 21 year where you start to really body changes as it would do naturally. But obviously you're also now hitting the weights with this, with this hormone rush. So I started, to, I really shaped up in the first year of uni. Like I came back and everyone, when we met up from college, I remember one of the lads took a look at me when I walked in. He went, Jesus Christ, it looks like someone stuck a basketball, a, a bicycle pump up your ass. Because <laughs> I, <just, laughs> I was always a really skinny kid. Where are you? Um, okay, so surprises me. You look like yeah. you're like a good responder, though. Yeah, well, my proportions are really good as well. So it gives the illusion of me being bigger than I actually am. Um, and I, and I, I, I live a pure pump life. Like I look like a different person in the gym to outside the gym. Like It's ridiculous. I, I went training with, uh, we had, uh, you know, fish and rice cakes guy? Yeah, yeah. I remember him. Yeah. So we had him on the podcast and we, we ended up being really good friends. He's such a top bloke. So we ended up training together um, up in Preston 
and um, we started the session normally and about we got about to the fourth or fifth exercise in and he just took a look at me and went jesus christ it looks like you gained 30 pounds of muscle i was like i know i, I just I, I said if only i stayed looking like this but people don't understand that and that's a big lack of things with socials is people don't understand when you're seeing people looking jacked and crazy that's like peak it doesn't stay like that you that that lasts probably 30 minutes yeah. So much so that it's like, get the pictures now, quick. So yeah. much so that you're there going, the pump's fading, quick. <laughs> it's because like, all those carbs are in your workout, Lex, and that and that pre-workout protocol we just spoke about is magic. People need 100%, to involved. 100% why it works. Yeah, because the body's just soaking that glycogen up into the muscle, pulling water in with it, which just makes it get thick and tight against the skin. Plus, you got all that vasodilation from the NO2 stuff that I'm taking. So you get this like double whammy effect. It's really great because it's inspiring to see, and you want that carrot on a stick in the mirror, don't you? If you ever catch the, the view in the mirror, if you ever reach that, you, you're done. Because yeah. the mirror, your reflection should always be ahead of where you are. You can't walk be, around you know? like that, though. It's not, it's not possible, is it? But I think some people do get a, a dysmorphia where they always want that. And that's maybe why you see these guys who are 300 pounds and walking around, they're chasing this image yeah. in their head that they'll never get to. Yeah, I was discussing it with somebody the other day, we were talking about it. And it's, people forget that, yeah, you look like this 300 pound dude and he's jacked, but the heart's still working the same, having to carry 300 pounds around. So people don't, you know, forget that that is still a stress on the heart, just being that body weight, because the body shouldn't be that heavy. Like, obviously, they're, they're using pharmaceuticals to surpass what the human body would be capable of. But in doing so, they're, in, they're putting the body in the stress the moment they cross over into those supernatural kind of gains. And, and then that's when we get these guys now are, are going off because they're getting these aortic dissections occurring inside. So they're literally bleeding out internally. Then they're getting, you know, the, the blood pressure causing strokes and heart attack. God, you know, it's, it's uh, it just needs raining in. I, I don't think it's so much anything to do. With, I don't think like people blame the drugs. I don't, I think it's the lifestyle. They're just trying to get too big. They're eating 10,000 calories a day, every day. That's a stress on every part of the body from, from mental to gut to physical. Like, yeah, completely agree. And can't sustain that even so even, why, years ago, yeah. even years for ago, me it was always the, the functionality which obviously you do as well that's the way to go and then you can see how far you can push getting size while still doing your functional stuff and you'll realize when this starts to affect this and then you're like okay well where do i want my balance do i want to maintain this functionality or am i really not bothered about losing that then i'll get a bit bigger and so you can find that happy medium then and a lot of people don't do that they tend to just go one way or the other and and uh and don't find that happy balance and then so they end up hating it because they're too extreme on one side and yeah. you see and that's when people just drop off or disappear you see that a lot with people who go really extreme especially with the dieting and things like that um and i think one of the benefits for me is long term i've always just kind of slowly ticked away never been in a rush to kind of do anything and just i'm happy to kind of reset stuff as well all the time like i'm literally learning to walk again can you believe that? I'm like I'm a giant toddler is what I am right now. Is this, is <laughs> so, this the back of the content I saw about your feet? Remember you were getting treatment on those? Yeah. So my from fighting, I've uh, developed an issue with the feet where the, the soles have gone flat. And what's happened is, is that because you're constantly on your toes, all your weight goes onto the big toe and it causes it to start bending inward. Like you see women who wear heels for too much and they get these, well, bunions they call them, don't they? You'll yeah. notice it on loads of fighters now. You'll see it. And it creates, because of all that pressure on the toe, it develops calcium, um, like a calcium buildup on the joints. Like the bone thickens and it starts to bend inward. 
And then that affects how you're, because most people's toes can do this. Spread, yeah. Mine can't, mine do like this. Like they're so tight, all the fascia is so tight. So the toes effectively like that. So my base is all, was all over the show. Then on top of that, I had a lazy left glute. So a lazy left ass cheek. <laughs> and what's happening was I was having the, the uh, my weight displacement was all over the show, but then also my glute wasn't firing properly. So when I'm walking, I would do a normal walk, but then the glute wouldn't engage on the left side as I drive through. So it was all going on the knee and the, and the quad. And then rather than the glute then activating to pick the leg up and push it back through, the leg was, leg was just dead swinging, just like <laughs> dead swinging through like a peg leg. And I didn't notice it until I watched someone video of me walking off. I was like, what's my left leg doing? Why, why is it one? Why is the foot facing that way? And why is it just swinging like it's like a, then when you get up, you've got pins and needles and it doesn't work. It was doing that. So now I literally have been learning to walk again, get the, and now I can feel my own butt cheeks doing this now. <laughs> yeah. That's how disconnected I was from them. But now they're working. It feels, I can feel them. It's an awareness of them now. Like you, you yeah. connect to it in a way that you've never done before. You get people that are like, oh, I've never connected with my arms when I'm training before. And you show them a few different bits and pieces. Yep. And they're like, wow. Some people get the bicep. I got the buttock. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. So when you finished university, Lex, what did you do with your degree? What was the, what was the plan after that? Uh, yeah, my first degree was in uh, just straight biology. So that included uh, plants, animals, the whole shebang. Um, and yeah, so I, I did that degree was three years in Newcastle. Uh, and through that time, I played a lot of rugby and we did Amer Oh, and we went on to do American football for the university as well, because that was just a cool ass. That is a violent game. Wow. That is a violent game. In rugby... We, in one season of American football, we had more and worse injuries than the entire three years of rugby. Yeah, I can imagine. It, yeah, wow. Although we were the only rugby team to have to have someone airlifted off a field because we hurt them. <laughs> was that one uh, of your tackles, Lex? <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't one of me, but it was one of... Well, our, our pack for the rugby team weighed more than the British international. Wow, serious. There were some big boys. Yeah, I was just... A, I was winger outside centre. Other than one game where I played fullback, which is the worst position in the sport of rugby. Because all you get is power forwards breaking through the line at six foot odd with all they hear at that moment, like everything shuts off to them other than this song tune, this is my moment comes on. And you just see them look at you and then they go, oh, and, it, and all they do is beeline at you. And I'm like, okay, cool. So which leg am I going to tangle my body around and <laughs> try and trip them up with my being? Yeah, it sucked. But... I scored my best try ever. We were in our own try zone and I got the ball and I came around the outside and went all the way up the wing for a try. I went from try line to try line. Beautiful. As a fullback. So that was my best try ever, but worst position ever. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we, uh, yeah, so rugby all the way through uni. And, but at the uni, I actually started doing a little bit of Thai boxing because it was, uh, there's a dude just holding classes in the gym center. So I went and had a go at that, but it was all pad work and just combos. So there was never any sparring. And then when I came back, I was, I went into personal training, did personal training for qualification and was doing a bit of PTing. I ended up PTing, so training in the gym where there was some uh, doorman. And one night, one of the lads asked, uh, said, listen, we, we, we're a lad down. Do you fancy coming and doing a night on the doors? Well, I hadn't done any real fight or anything at this point. I was just like, I had boy band hair, you know, <laughs> just, I was like, Really? Me, it was like, oh, you'd be fine, mate. We've got it locked down. We just need the body there. You'll enjoy it. It's, you know, X amount per hour cash. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm in, cool. 
uh, and then um, ended up that they they took me on then more regularly because uh, you know I, it was to have somebody on the door who could talk people yeah, down. For sure, they didn't really have that before because all the other lads were like you know ready, always just yeah, let's have it. Whereas I had somebody who could just talk somebody into realizing what they're doing was dumb. I was quite useful, but then eventually it was like, well, I need to learn to handle myself. Like to, I need to learn what it's like to get in a bad situation. So the boys were doing Thai boxing. And so I went to a real Thai class with them where, you know, you get more involved, it's a little bit harsher. And uh, then that spread into, at the time, MMA was just coming through in England. And so there was an MMA class that kicked off and one of the guys was like, come with me, come with me. Uh, you know, and uh, we, we ended up going and it turns out, you know, I had a, a decent skill set for MMA. And so then that led me more into doing, so I was then working through the day doing the PTing then I'd go to fight training then I'd go work on the doors. And it was just kind of, I started building that up and then eventually just ended up, you know, really enjoyed the fighting, the competitive side of it. Um, it's also, it was really inspiring to see a lot of guys in there who were, quote unquote, naughty people, you know, if, you, if they had a name about themselves and maybe some of them had been to jail and things like that in their past. And they were coming to this club to do the MMA and it was really giving them direction. Yeah. You know, yeah, it helped really dial them in and gave them, gave them um, accountability of what they're capable of with their hands. But in doing that, it also meant that they had nothing to prove anymore out on the streets. Because they're proving it now in a competitive ring and environment. So these guys went from fighting every weekend on nights out to literally walking away and getting in a taxi. And for some of those boys, that was a 180 degree turn in their life, which is huge. You see that a so lot people with talk arts. about. Second. You see that a lot with martial arts, don't you? It gives people a purpose and fulfillment. And actually, a lot of a lot of boxers that I know in the Scottish scene, they say that boxing saved them from a, a lifetime of crime oh. and jail sentences literally saved saved him yeah i i saw one guy who whose whose entire perception changed and he was he went he was really straight laced he was really committed he got in incredible shape you know best shape he'd ever been in and the proof was the fact that when when he stopped training um i think the class ended up moving because of, um for whatever reason at that time you know these smaller clubs ended up re shifting around more as because certain spaces where they were renting out would often just get flipped and turned around and suddenly not be available. Unlike now where things are much more kind of centered. Um, he ended up not training for like a couple of months because things got flipped about and he went right back because that structure was taken away from him. He ended up just slipping back with the wrong people doing the wrong things again. So you, that, that is just proof, direct proof that this, this one thing was completely keeping him off that, that negative path. Yeah. So as much as the fight game can be seem aggressive or seem like something that's damaging for many, many people, it's absolutely life-changing in within, the best way. Within your fight career, Lex, it all kind of came to head towards the end, didn't it, where you had a particularly disappointing result in a fight that kind of pushed you away from mm. it. Can you can you tell us yeah. about what happened there? So so I only ended up, I never intended to fight, but it was, you know, when you're training, you're getting better and better and the coaches are seeing progression. And with it being so fresh as well at the time, the whole MMA scene wasn't as structured. So you could be a Thai guy and they would just put you in against a pure jiu-jitsu dude. Like there wasn't really that crossover. So we were lucky in the fact we were being taught wrestling and stand-up. A lot of these guys were just being taught 
wrestling or jiu-jitsu and they weren't really any good with their hands so they were coming into these mma tournaments not really knowing that they're going to fight a guy that's going to come and kick and knee them uh and also judo guys not allowed to punch on the floor so as soon as they're getting hit suddenly on the floor all of those moves that they're used to throwing in and trapping people in goes out the window when you're suddenly getting spanked in the face midway through it so we ended up getting he ended up uh, my coach ended up talking me into doing this ta- local tournament and it was like an iron man thing it's one of the roughest things i've ever experienced but you basically was like winner stays on kind of job you, you know like um you win you go through to the next round next round up to a final point but it meant you had like five fights in one day like to, and so i ended up winning the tournament because i was pretty decent with my leg kicks and stuff like that from thai and i have an unusual ability to like throw short like i can throw hard punches and i don't need a big wind up it's just a, a genetic you know i've actually got a really nice knockout shot so I was lumping these judo guys up with leg kicks, like just chopping them down endlessly. And then when it got to the floor, I was just punching. So I ended up winning the thing. But the next day, I couldn't walk for three days because I've been bouncing my shins and feet just off people's bones just for, for a full afternoon. And oh, honestly, I'm not joking. When I said I literally couldn't walk for three days. Then my feet all swelled up, everything. I was like, oh, this is this is a fight game. Yeah, this is. It's all great when you're winning, but literally an hour later, I could feel stuff starting to seize up as we we went to the pub, classic British thing, celebratory pub, pub drink. Yeah, I could feel it going then. Ugh. But, you know, that, that, that buzz of getting in the competition and winning was like nothing. It even beat out kind of that team sport of rugby or football when you win a match. Um, so I got kind of addicted to it then. And at the likes at the time as well, I got to train with Bisbing. Obviously, if anybody watches MMA, Michael Bisbing, everybody knows. Uh, he's been incredibly successful and fair play as well. The guy's given literally most of his body to it. He's had two knee replacements and he's lost an eye. Crazy. Like, dude dude fought for four four years with one eye. One eye. It, there's a really good podcast with him on Joe Rogan and he talks about how he got through the medicals. Like he basically cheated his way through the medicals to, so nobody knew he couldn't see out of, out of his, I think it's his right eye. Man. Crazy. Yeah. And it, what a tough guy though. Four years fighting with one eye. The, the best in the world, the, the, you know, the upper echelon of the MMA world. And he's in there with one eye yeah, <laughs> and becomes exactly. champion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just so tough. So to be able to train with him in the early days was... You know, that was an absolute privilege. What I was super lucky. So um, I had a lot of inspiration to, to keep moving with that. But the last fight that you were talking about, yeah, I had a title fight um, in Warrington. So it was uh, like a British title. And for some unknown reason, they put a rookie ref in there for this match. And I don't know why, because they had a really top-tier referee in there for the next match. He should have just done both the title fights because there were two title fights. But for whatever reason, they put this rookie dude in there and he ended up, bearing in mind, I trained for eight to 10 weeks hard for this fight, like full commitment, full camp, training twice a day. I was the fittest I've ever been in my life. I could fight five, five minute rounds against 18 stone guys in my gym. That's what I was doing for this session. I was super fit. And the I nearly knocked the guy out within the first 30 seconds, but... <laughs> The problem was I got so excited. He came in because he was a wrestler. He came in and I tie clinched him and I put a knee in, into him, but I caught him right in the jaw, fresh. And I felt his whole body go, ooh, 
like you, you and then when it landed in my head i went oh like i felt it it was clean but then because i felt it so much and i was so proud of this shot my body went hey well my ego did it went hey man remember those van damme movies you used to watch i'm like yeah he's like, remember that head kick he used to do i'm like yeah he goes this is your moment bro this is your moment do the head kick what I should have done was stood and uppercutted and just finishing punches. But no, no, I tried to step back and do a flash head kick finish. And it gave him the chance to bull rush me because he was he was on Queer Street, but he um, broke. Oh, that's just treated a load of people. But I don't care. Anyway, so, but he, so he just went into autopilot, which for wrestlers is bull rush and grab legs. And because it was a, an abnormally small cage, this was the problem with these things at the time. The cages were all such different sizes. And this was a really like unnecessarily small one, which favors wrestlers because he was able to, to get me to the cage side first. And he managed to suck my legs out from underneath me and get me down. So I was just kind of nullifying him. He went for an Americana and um, I was blocking it by you sit on, was it, was it a Kimura he went for? He went for a Kimura. And um, you sit on your arm, like palm face down on the floor. And if you can get your arm like that, dude's not getting it out. Like it's not going anywhere. So I was waiting for it to be stood back up. So I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then the ref stands us up and, I'm, and, I, and you see it in the video. I get up and I'm ready to go again. Like, sweet, we're up. Here he goes. I'm going to take him out now. And the referee stopped the fight. He called it and given it to this other guy because he said, my arm was in a dangerous position for too long. That's like kicking a football somewhere near the goal and the ref going, yeah, you can have it. Like, unless you hear a tap or a snap, that fight doesn't stop. So I'd had this title fight, camp fight come we had hundreds of people there supporting us it all kicked off in the stands they all started fighting that was you know fair play for the support but um yeah uh, it turned out that that was like a real catalyst because at the same time i'd also been uh i'd, be, I'd been I, my girlfriend at the time had made me send some pictures into one of these agencies because i was in shape from the fight like really good shape i was like whatever yeah she took some pictures and she sent them off well, this bloody co their company at the time, it, they called me back to take me on to go and do some fitness modeling work for them. And it was the first thing they wanted me to do was go to do a men's health cover. So when this fight thing happened, at the same time, I'd been offered this men's health cover. So it was just like, well, sod that. If that's what's going to happen, if that's how much they care about the amount of effort we put into this fight game and that, that had all just been pulled out from under my feet. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go take this opportunity and go and have a go at this. And that's how I kind of ended up going into the into the fitness world for the first time. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. mad, isn't it? How one door closes, or you close a door that you feel is kind of not quite right for you. Every time something seemingly seems like end of the world, rug pulled out from under your feet, grey clouds coming down. Every time something like that happens to you, or has happened to me, I've always, always, always gone on a better route because of that seemingly terrible thing at the time. Uh, if I had, if that hadn't happened, maybe I'd have won that fight. Like I was never going to be a world-class fighter. I I'd started too late. I hadn't trained as a kid. You know what I mean? It, it was unlikely, not impossible. I could have done well probably on a local stage, but international, you know? Uh, so I could have still been going and getting paid 500 pounds to get my, you know, head kicked in. But instead, you know, I took, it, it sent me off on this other direction that led me to end up being in YouTube, you know, working for companies, being my own boss, creating my own products and doing this whole online thing, which otherwise may never have happened, you know? Yeah, so I love it. It's who, crazy. Who were you watching at the time on YouTube? Who were you consuming content from? Matt Ogus. 
Ogus was the boy. He started that whole, it was uh, Ogus cake. Do you remember that era? Ogus cake and his shredding when he sat there with his giant salads and everything. Um, he actually inspired me to start doing YouTube videos because I'd come out of the fighting and because I needed a goal set, because if I don't have a goal set, I am the worst. I just go all meander everywhere. Lex, you and I were speaking about this when particularly that second lockdown hit, when stuff got stripped away from oh. us and it was so oppressive. We, even as high, highly motivated guys, it was a bit of a loss, wasn't it? There was a time where you're just like, you're wondering what next. The first one I did all right in. Same. Because we had that sunshine, didn't we? But that second one, I, I went, I got, oh, I got, I was depressed. 100%. I still have only kind of just got over it. And sometimes I'll still slip back into it now. And I've never had that before, but I'm very aware of the feeling of being depressed. Unlike some people who I know can, it can consume them and they haven't quite realized. I'm very aware the moment it's kicking in. Some, it doesn't mean I can fight it, but I'm very aware. So it doesn't mean I can start challenging it. You're changing into energy. I've, we've spoken of this before and a lot of your content speaks about energy and you're very focused on when that energy isn't, where it needs to be and you see it in your comment section when people say you're lex again or or you don't seem like yeah. you lex and people yeah. use this term because they've consumed so much of you they've seen so much of you and you've been very open about who you are throughout your content that they can tell when he's not having his he's not on the same level as he normally is or wow yeah. lex is back lex is bringing the fire yeah it's funny because when they i didn't realize i wasn't being me and that's the 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 hidden power of, of the depressive state, isn't it? Is you don't realize how much it's dulling you down and pulling energy out of you. Uh, and I, as I always say is like the, the only reason it, it's not a weakness to be depressed. It's not a weakness to say, you know, to find out you've been depressed for years and, and think less of yourself. That's not the case. It takes no energy for depression to exist. And that's the problem is it takes energy to get up, be happy, be motivated, make plans, commit to plans, carry forward the habits. And people think that it's, it's wrong to have to, God, it takes me so much energy just to do this. No, that's normal. Everybody you see who's out there seemingly kicking ass is having to make that energy to get there. They're not just waking up and feeling it. And I think the more people know that, the easier it is for them to be like, oh, okay, I am okay. I am normal. I am all right. It is okay to feel like it's an effort to get this going. So just the difference is the more you routine it and keep it going, the easier it becomes to keep it going, but it's still always going to take energy. And even little things can knock you off. Like I, I got really into doing like just 10, 15 minutes meditating every morning. And I thought, you know, oh, this is really quite nice. You know, I, I was, I used to be really bad for hearing noises when I was trying to go to sleep. Like I could hear a clock ticking through a wall and I'd have to go and take that clock down from the other room and take the battery out. If there was any light in the room at all, I couldn't sleep. Cars going past would wake me up from doing literally a couple of weeks meditation. I was able to sleep with the blinds up window open and nothing because I was able to just accept sound as just being that a peripheral noise that has nothing to affect me as before I tune in and focus on that. And that's why I wouldn't be able to ignore it. So I was like, oh, that's, that's really cool. You know, I've been able to, for, for something since I was a child that's bugged me, I've been able to change really quickly. So I saw the power of that ability to quieten your mind. Um, but then from that, it was just like, okay, that's cool. I'll keep that going. I stopped meditating for whatever reason it was. I think I was getting more 
stressed about work and algorithm of bullshit of YouTube. We had the COVID thing, everything kicked in. And I just, I just kind of fell away from doing it. And I didn't realize that what it did was slowly that failure pulled over into other aspects of my habits in the days. I slowly failed to stop loading my vitamin tray with the, day, the week's worth of vitamins. I slowly stopped cooking fresh meals because it was easier to eat the stuff that was pre-prepped. And it just, so this, this failure slowly pulled energy from every aspect and they all kind of slowly folded inward until I realized, oh crap, everything's gone to shit. Everything has just suddenly just fallen. And I hadn't even realized it because it was such a slow little process, but it's that ability to catch that and go, right, well, now we know, let's change this. And even if you change it for two days and then fail again, that's cool. doesn't matter. Reset, start again. And I think people need to understand that it's fine to just stop, reset, take a breath, take a breather, go again. You haven't, just because you fail one day doesn't mean all those other successful days are suddenly worth nothing. It's, it's you, all you need is more wins than losses and you'll progress. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to try. I and, love uh, that. Yeah, it, and it's honest. And I have really struggled. There's been a lot going on in my in life. Like I had my mum had a, a cancer scare. She had to come and live with me because she had to have like a full hysterectomy. So she had to come and live with me for, for like two months, you know, because she could to rehabilitate. Then we had um, we had loads of contract losses through COVID, obviously as well. You, you self online stuff just kind of came to a grinding halt. Loads of my series I was having to fly out to Ireland to do, which was a great privilege. Couldn't do any of that. Loads of stuff I had planned all got cancelled because it was all in Portugal and abroad. So there's all these things that were just like, flap, flap, flap. And as much as you're like, yeah, man up, I can take this. They're slowly just tink, 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 tinking away at you. And I've realized now, like literally this year, that I need to take responsibility for stuff again, because working for other people too much makes you complacent. And so I'm going to take life by the balls again. Now I've had this, I've caught my depressive, depressive state. I'm capable of getting myself out of that now. I know it because I've successfully done it. I'm back and I'm enjoying my sessions. Whenever I put something out online and I say something, I'm saying it to myself as much as I'm putting it out for the people. That's what I find. One, of the, find one, of, the great, yeah, 100%, one of the greatest ways to teach something to yourself is to teach it on to others because it refreshes the lesson because you have to reframe it in a way that they can understand and best believe yeah. that speaks to your mind as well. So I completely agree. When you're speaking to your audience about things that you're doing for your well-being and your energy, it's just a reminder, Lex, this is what works for me. Colin, this is yeah. what works for me. I'm just sharing it because you guys can benefit too. But best believe I need to remember this lesson because I've been there where it's where it drops off and you articulate it so well where you're talking about that snowball effect where if one particular important keystone habit falls off, unfortunately, yeah. domino, snowball, whatever term we want to use, it all slides into the other. Because it takes no energy for them to all fall away. Yeah. Zero energy for you to stop doing something. And that's the problem, isn't it? So if, if one falls away, you, it, it's, it's that habit of laziness builds through everything instead of that habit of progressiveness. And, but that's normal guys, you know, that's, we all get that. Nobody is perfect all the time. You just got to be, you know, more wins than losses and slowly you'll just get better and better. So Absolutely. yeah, I found that, um, I do honestly though, if you haven't tried meditate, do you meditate? I don't meditate, but I have a couple of things that are like it, but I'll be interested to hear what you, you say before. Well, what, what is it you do then? In, intrigued now. I do, I do a few different things. So one, walk in nature, which we both spoke about, and that's with no input. Mm. That's with 
no podcast, no earphones. Now, don't get me wrong. Oh. Most of my walks that I do, I have content on or I'm taking notes or I'm thinking about who I'm going to talk to on the podcast next and I'm doing research. But sometimes walk in nature, no input, no data on your phone and just take in the outside. And the other one, yeah. and this is another one, it's about, it's about, again, it's about having no input because I'm somebody that's massive on self-development and it's really easy to never be off. When you drive back from the gym and you're full of endorphins and you're buzzing, I'll normally have like the tunes on or I'll have another podcast yeah. on or I'll phone a friend, turn the radio off or whatever's on for the 10, 15 minutes you drive back, which typically it is for me. Yeah. And you're just, Same for me. it's wild. You actually feel like the sensation of like the car wheel. You, you notice things around you that you don't normally notice in your journey. And I think mm. it's really important to just be within that. Now, of course you've got the so staying, pre staying present when you, you walk throughout the gym. Yeah. And, you and I have spoken at this before as well. Like when you're in the gym, you tell people off for being on their phones too much because you're already getting enough dopamine from the training. You're probably full of caffeine or a pump product. Just I don't walk around the gym telling people off. Although, although, dude, I did put. I, I tell people off via online things. Yeah, um, I have a good rant on that actually. I'm going to post up on um, Instagram in a bit, but. Someone, one of the guys messaged me from online when I, I put up a thing about, he, he messaged me going, I love a good Lex mobile phone rant. And then, and then I said, yeah, I just need him. I said, I should get a mallet to just walk around and knock it out of people's hands. Then he sent me a picture of a guy. It was a guy called Timmy mallet. And he was a dude, a children's TV guy. He used to have a big foam hammer and he'd, and he'd do questions. If you got them wrong, he'd smack you on the head with the hammer. There's a video in this Lex. There's a video in this funny would it be? to dress up as Timmy Mallet and be the phone police. Every time you see someone on the phone in the gym, you walk up and just donk them with this big rubber hammer like on their head and just video it and see people's reactions. I think it'd be fucking lit. I'd probably get punched. I'd have to be like ducking and weaving. You can fight, <laughs> so they don't bother if they start with you. <laughs> but I think that'd be a really funny video. But the amount of people you get to hit would be shockingly high. Yeah. The amount of people you train together, you'd be able to double wallop. Dude, the amount of times I see somebody doing their set, the guy stood above him. Like, yeah. What are you? What on earth? Just face in the phone, just like that, completely dead. Not looking. It's a privilege to be able to train with somebody else. You know how lucky you are to have somebody there to watch and push you. You should be in there going, and they put that weight down. You know, dead end of the rep. You go, nah, back down. Get those two. You know, you should, and that, because that's what they'll do for you. And the same, that accountability of getting to the gym. Where are you? You know, that is a privilege. Connection as well. You're both on the journey, pushing each other for betterment. You should both be progressing at all times. You should be. I used to get pleasure out of seeing my training partners hit new PRs, get a better rep, do that move that they couldn't connect with before. You know that that was the goal. And just phone in face like this, absolutely not present. Being on your phone in the gym is literally pulling you out of that gym mindset. So how do you expect to get any work done? And these are the same guys that then walk around going, "Everyone's on steroids, bro." No, you train like shit pardon the language that but that end of none of your sets count because i've watched them training because i because I'm, i get mad because when I, when i put the weights down when i'm done and i'm gathering myself after the after the set so i have to gather gather myself after every set even the warm-up set i'm squeezing i'm making you know there's a purpose to it i have to take a moment these guys have a tick where they let go of the machine they're using and the hand goes to the pocket to get the phone like they're going for a gun holster like it's immediate. 
So their focus is fully on that phone the whole time. This is a training. real this is a real red pill moment, Lex, because a lot of us do it, and I've noticed myself do it many times as well. It's a tick, as you said. It's a it's a habit which is in, yeah. ingrained where we finish the set, we check our phone, we check Instagram, we check Twitter, we yeah. we do whatever. Um, I have tried to I'm trying to strike a balance between logging my weights on my phone on an app called Gravitas, which is quite good, See, or using. Now, does it need to be phone. online though? When you do that, there we go. Airplane your phone. Airplane mode your phone. You've got the solution, Lex, and I'm here for it. I love it. Just shut every other app down, have nothing else running, and only have that on your screen in airplane mode because you can still listen to music because you should be able, if you're on Spotify, you can download their playlists. You don't need to be online. You can download your gym playlist, and it'll just be on there offline. No excuses. And I take a bag in, and my phone goes in a zip pocket in my bag. So it's, it's double detached away from me. It's in another place, not my pocket, behind a zip. So it takes an effort to go in to get that out. Huge. And so that gives me time to catch myself going to it. Friction. Or stop it's friction. Even it's, friction. it's friction yeah. in between um, to make the habit which you've grooved easier to stick to and make the bad habit harder to do. But Lex, I, I, I want to go towards that goal that you set yourself after you left fighting and it was to it was prepping for a BMBF show, were you prepping? Oh, yeah, so yeah, because like we said tangent, as you've just witnessed. Um, yeah. I, I needed a goal set. So I decided one of the guys came up and said, well, there's a BNBF uh, bodybuilding show and it was happening in like seven weeks. So I just ended up jumping on to this show just to have a go. Just was like, well, I'll just have a go at this. I probably won't do very well, but I'll at least get the experience and then it'll give me a goal set for some a, a show later down the line because I'll know what to expect. But I ended up doing pretty well. Um, I think I ended up making top five was it or maybe i didn't maybe in that show i didn't do well but i should have done better than i did and everyone was coming up to me afterwards going like that's bullshit you should at least be in top five of this i didn't really care too much obviously i was annoyed because i could see clearly you know that there were some very unscrupulously unfair decisions on that day which i i just i don't like about the whole bodybuilding thing because it was and I found out later that it's more of how many shows have you done before? How many times have you been there? And people were getting placed because- Who's your just, coach as well? And is he a judge? Oh, just so ridiculous. Just honestly, whoever's best on the day, if, if they ate fish fingers for eight weeks and came in and beat you, it's just tough shit. You know, you know? you've got no coach and they ate fish fingers. That tough. They should win if they look the best. Um, but how did you eating foods like fish fingers potentially and maybe even uh, white bread and- barbecue meat yeah. how did that get you noticed by the one and only gym shark well, back this in the is day? the thing so they i got a lot of positive feedback from that show even though i you know didn't be put where i should have been but what also happened was i I'd started to do the youtube online to document just for accountability i just was just putting my training up and stuff coming into the show because i was watching my august do all this stuff i thought well i'm going to a diet phase now um i'll have i'll i'll start putting stuff up uh, and obviously the first show was quite a short run into it so it, it was and it was pure bro i was bro as could be for that show so i went in flat and lost loads of weight but still good because i was i have a good fitness background so from actual sports not just weightlifting so the body and what people don't understand is you can emaciate the body the first time around and it will kind of hold on to a lot of stuff it kind of buffers your errors but if you keep doing it back to back to back that's when you really start to see the, the real fall away and damage to metabolism and stuff like that. And you get this really bad relationship with food as well. 
And so the first time round, bro, literally rice cakes and boiled turkey breast, awful, horrible. Then I was watching Matt and then Matt switched to macros. And I was like, ooh, what's this? And because I'm, I'm science-based, like my background is, is science, I looked at the science behind what he was doing. And I was like, I am in. And halfway through my diet for the next show at this time, which was going to be, it was at the time it was called Muscle Mania, but it wasn't the Muscle Mania you know now. The Muscle Mania you know now is a, a big, you know, ju- you know, juicy boy ones. At the time, this was another one. It just had the same, had the same name. They changed the name in the end because it was, uh, there was conflict. Um, this was a drug tested one again, like the BNBF, but it was called, it was called Muscle Mania, I think. I can't remember what it got changed to. I don't even think it's still running anymore, but I actually got sponsored to go and do that by, it was called Natural Bodybuilding Recognition Facebook page at the time. And I was what got, became one of their sponsored athletes because they had links to these shows where they had a funding from something or other to be able to help people go in. So they basically paid all your entrance fees and stuff. Um, and a percentage of your travel costs to get there, which at the time was huge because all I was doing was putting stuff up on YouTube to maybe get some free protein powder. You know, that was it. And because, you know, I like the idea of, of doing it. And it's actually, ironically, the, the time that I got sponsored to do natural bodybuilding, I was actually looking at doing full bodybuilding, MPCC, which would have mean crossing over to the dark side. So I was actually looking at, okay, right, what pharmaceuticals do you use? How do we do it safely? I was starting to look into all that and that sponsorship actually stopped me doing that. So again, right now, if that hadn't happened, I could have ended up being a juicy bodybuilder, like maybe having health problems. Yeah, well, you, you, you expressed throughout this how worried you are about people who have been losing their, their, their lives at this stage because of what they've been doing in terms of the heavy weight yeah. and the lifestyle. Well, I mean, you know, it's just unnecessary. We've got guys dying in their 20s. We've got Boston Lloyd go, you know, Dallas and he's McCarver. a prime example. Huh? Dallas McCarver as well, I think he passed away. McCarver, that's the one. I can never remember the name. And he died because they think he had a bit of a, I, don't, I think stroke's a bit of a strong word, but he had some kind of issue. And then he had it whilst eating, so ended up choking on his food. So that's how he went. Then you've got Boston Lloyd, who had a genetic heart defect in his family and it was his aortic valve everyone thinks he because he was in kidney failure as well wasn't he so the amount of drugs he's used has caused the kidney failure but he, and most people in kidney failure they have an issue with being able to absorb i think it's potassium or they or they become it's either they have an issue being able to absorb potassium or potassium becomes excessive within their system i think it might be that and it can, it can lead to um, a heart, heart failure. And so everyone thought that's what happened to him because he just he, he apparently came back from the gym and then just keeled over in his kitchen and was gone. But he went fast. The natural uh, autopsy has shown, no, he had an aortic dissection. So his, his, his aorta basically burst and he bled out internally. And your chance of surviving that is ex- like you have to be basically next door to a hospital when it happens to get lucky enough to be saved. So it turns out that probably the damage he caused from the drugs might have been able to be recovered through dialysis and a kidney transplant, but that genetic defect, which was in his family, exacerbated by the drugs, has taken him early. So it's a big warning sign to anybody who has issues within their family. It's not, you need to not only be looking at yourself when you do or consider these extreme things. You need to be looking at your, your history and heritage and getting genetic markers done to find out if you're 
you know, vulnerable to anything specific. You should be getting blood work done on a regular basis, which we're working with a guy at the moment to get more awareness of. He's got a clinic in Birmingham. He's actually on uh, the KUCAST this week coming, and he's a TRT doctor, we call him. Um, and he's incredible because he's zero bullshit. Like nothing. He just, uh, you know, when you get somebody whose intelligence is up here, but their street knowledge is also here, well, and you just get this perfect, yeah, he just calls things as they are. So much so that he doesn't get invited to some cinema, cinema, uh, some, I can't say, uh, seminars. <laughs> because um, he will literally debunk half of the people going up there to speak. It's bro science. Yeah, he just he calls them out. Yeah, because a lot of them are tuned towards the sports that are there. And so they're trying to tailor what they're saying to get those, those sports on board with whatever it is they're trying to pitch. Whereas this guy's just like, well, that's a load of shit because you're doing these drugs. And so that's going to have no effect, whatever. And this is going to kill people. And, and he's got some horror stories, dude, about this, the strongman world. They're to the point where guys are failing ECG exams. They're, they're unable to walk on treadmills, you know, for more than 10 minutes without cramping. But the, the, comp- the people running these, it's a freaking TV show at the end of the day. He's getting them to sign off waivers saying, you know, you've told us you're healthy enough to do this and any issues that you occur are on your own back. So that's literally them deciding, we know you're probably a high risk of death doing this, but it's cool as long as we're not held responsible. Yeah. They're willing to let people perish for a TV show. Like, where's the care for your athletes? That, how is that a, a federation of any, with any kind of moral standing? Uh, and you see it like Eddie Hall had to retire because he was literally going to die. Yeah. If he if he kept that weight, he was three. The photos of him now, um, he's prepping for this boxing fight, and he looks lean and mean. And you put it beside when he was winning his um, world strongest man. His head's like this, isn't it? Yeah. He's yeah. an absolute gorilla. Did you realize he's, he's six foot three? <laughs> his I never. Well. I thought he was like five ten. Crazy. So to his weight, he was th- over three hundred pounds. Like, I can't even fathom that. To the point where he was so heavy, he developed sleep apnea because his own body weight was shutting his breathing down if he lay on his back. Just, and that's a sport. Yeah, <laughs> mad. Sketchy. Tangenting again, who do you think, Thor or Eddie? Uh, I, th- I, I think Thor looks more athletic because he's super lean and mean. Um, yeah. I think he's, is Thor taller? I think he must be taller. Um About- Probably four or five inches. Yeah, yeah, so I think reach might come into it. I'm not a boxing expert by any shape or form, but maybe you'll be able to reach him. You know more about fighting than me, Lex. Who's, who's going to win? It's a tough one because if Thor can use the jab and keep Eddie away and make Eddie keep coming to him, keep coming to him, for the first few rounds, he might be able to tire Eddie out and then just ting him off. But if Thor gets carried away and lets Eddie close too much all the time and doesn't keep the distance, I think Eddie will catch him with an overhand right. Predictions made. We'll yeah, see. but I think if it goes longer, it goes more in Thor's favour. If he's able to work that jab. If he doesn't work the jab, overhand right from Eddie of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. But it's, it's going to be a shit show. It's not going to be good. But they're it's free fighters, to watch. Yeah. yeah, they're not fighting. It's a spectacle. It's a spectacle, but don't expect a good boxing match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if at one point they don't stand across the ring from each other with their hands on their knees. You know, just looking at each other like, 
<sighs> okay, let's go again. You know, I honestly, that could happen, I think. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the way we're going, though, because they are doing these deals with people who are literally celebrities and athletes in other fields rather than actually yeah. specifically fighting. I don't know how it's making so much money because it's free to watch. Yeah, interesting. Sponsors, they're getting paid maybe. like a million each or something for it. Yeah. Sponsors, because if, if, if let's for argument's sake, a betting company, if they put their logo on it, then how many people do you think will use that betting company to bet on who's going to win the fight and all that kind of stuff? Do you think that works? I think so. Well, if I if I was if or if, if I was an energy drink company, and I wanted to get eyes on my eyes on my brand. Do I sponsor that yeah. fight? And I plaster With it all every- that exposure, assuming yeah. they get the views. But this is assuming they get the views because it's a website that you have to go and watch it on. Now it's going to crash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, are they ready for that kind of traffic? Like. Because, you know, a lot of sites during Black Friday can't even handle people going to a checkout. Yeah, agreed. So if it crashes, like, oop, which is high, quite likely. So I never know. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's bring you back from that tangent. You, um, yeah, you started to do your macro diet uh, before this show. Oh, yeah. And it got you so sponsored. Matt, Matt Ogus is responsible for everything, really. He switched over to macros. And literally the next day, I did the same thing. And I got obsessive with it. Like, I would pick out like rice grains to get the perfect weight for my meals. But at the same time as well, nobody in England was doing macros. Nobody knew it was, but because I had a science background, I was all in and knew, knew I was pretty solid from the get-go. And uh, I was well-balanced nutritionally. I'd worked out my numbers and I, based, I, I started vlogging. You know, that, you know, suddenly I'm eating on a bodybuilding diet where you're supposed to be eating boiled chicken, rice cakes and six almonds a day i was suddenly sat there with this bowl of strawberries some chocolate sludge made from protein with light whipped cream sprayed all the way through it and and people just were well, what the hell are you doing and i remember there was one video where i'm really lean because i'm about a week out from the show and i'm eating a barbecue outside it's summer so i look really vascular because obviously the sun's on you and i'm tanned so that helps again and then um, I've got on the table, I've got a barbecue going and on the table in front of me, I've got ketchup, white bread, sausages, and I'm a week out from the show. And it just blew people's minds. Like what is happening? Um, so especially with it being a drug tested show as well, it also brought that whole hoo-ha in of, or oh, whatever, he's not natty. Look at how he looks eating that, you know? So it just caused confusion and a bit of excitement. And it was just a really great little whirlwind that brought a lot of attention. And so doing by getting on youtube and just just being accountable to myself and putting these videos up and teaching people this is what macros is that really launched the youtube side of things for me and then off the back of that video where i'm in the back garden getting ready for the show is when uh ben and lewis who were the original starters of gymshark they were still printing stuff in like their garage and they got in contact with me off the back of that video and they were in contact with matt ogres and stuff at the same time and then but Oh no, they got in contact with me off that video because then they started sending me out samples to try to then send them back feedback about fitment. And then as that carried on, they then got in contact with Matt Ogres and Chris Lovato as well shortly after. So then all of a sudden there was this connection to me and these American guys who I've been watching for forever, who I would otherwise never seen. And then they ended up bringing them over to do that one expo. Now, what people don't know is that expo where they launched that Lux tracksuit and Matt and Chris were there, and I and there was me and there was Jeff. Jeff's side, yeah. Alan Gabby. Um, Alan Gabby now he's he's off. 
now in the middle of he's got like a retreat in the middle of nowhere he's just a really spiritual dude he was always a bit like that though he was a clever guy but he's literally just completely digital nomads yeah he's off the grid now yeah you got married with a woman who's the same same uh, mentality as him and, and they host retreats now for people and they just do loads of shamanistic kind of meditations and stuff like that it's crazy where things go but he seems really happy um yeah so they literally the money they made selling the stringers up to that point they kind of pulled it and just put it all on that expo pretty much so and people don't know that that was a big risk but that was the day where they really launched themselves with that Lux tracksuit and having Matt and Chris over as YouTubers. Body Power had never seen anything like it because there was a queue around the stand for these seemingly normal looking guys because we were surrounded by these, you know, Olympian bodybuilders who, you know, 250 plus pounds. Um, and yet there's this queue going out the fucking door of the bloody arena to get to this one stand with these seemingly just like, there was, a there was a connection with you guys because the, people were investing hours of their week or their day watching you on YouTube. So best believe when they got the chance to meet you in person, incredible. They might admire or have some sort of awe about the physique of a, let's for argument's sake, like a nowadays a Chris Bumstead or a, um, yeah. a Jeremy. Well, Chris Bindu. is an outlier though. Chris is an outlier because he's Produced also a top guy, yeah. a really yeah. nice dude. Whereas most of these bodybuilders were just, you go get a picture from them, you'd be, there'd be a desk in front of you. You'd literally reach over and do the classic, you know, arm wrestle handshake and be like, so you'd be here, bodybuilder then, you'd be like, uh, and that was every picture of every bodybuilder ever at those events. Whereas the Gymshark stand was open. We were high-fiving people, giving them a hug when they came up. It was a massive, and we had our tops off. People didn't used to do that, remember? The bodybuilders all used to be in hoodies. Yeah, they'd be like a week out from the show. Yeah. Everyone's there to see how awesome they look, and they'd all be covered up from head to toe, wouldn't they? I never understood that. Like, you're not fat. It's not like you're showing anything. You are what you are. You can't change anything in a week's time. Mad. It's it's a physique show, mate. Like, you can show what you've got. It's not that you're gonna. The judges are gonna see it a week early and be like, "Oh, I've seen that already. You can't win." <laughs> What was the mentality of that? It's so bizarre. It's funny when you look at it, but you guys brought an energy to the fitness space that had not been seen before for relatively normal people. And that's mm. what's important because while your physiques are in the top 1% of the world in terms of how they look, people would struggle to get- Do you think it's that high? Do you think it's 1%? I hope it's more than that. Do you think so? I hope it is. Have you- have It's you, bad have you, if, have if you there's only 1% of the world. Have you walked through a city centre? Honestly. Yeah, dude, I know. I live in a bubble out in the countryside as well. And obviously I'm working with most of the time other people doing what I do. And yeah. I forget what normal people do look like. Yeah. I remember I once I went to tangent warning. Um went to a, a spa weekend. I don't yeah, you know, it was a gift kind of thing. I remember we went in, got the massages first, then went into like the main area with the jacuzzis and all that stuff. I remember walking in and just being a bit like ooh. And looking around and everybody was just kind of a bit blobby or, you know, and, I, and then I realized, oh, I'm in a bubble. Yeah. I live in a bubble. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, this is what normal people look like. And they were just heifer lumps everywhere. I was just like, oh. We, have a, we have a genuine obesity crisis and the kind of people that listen to a self-development podcast go against that. And they know it themselves when they look around in their office, when they look around their company, even somebody who's maybe 
not quite got control of their weight yet and their body yet, but they're trying to make that change. People in their yeah. life will be pushing back against them, Lex, because they don't want them to change. So somebody listening to this yeah. right now will be listening to us. And they'll be like, yeah, I'd love to improve my physique. And maybe it's not quite where I want it yet. But the changes they're making, people, normal people, we just talked about, yeah. will be saying to them, yeah. no, no, you don't need to do that. Don't, no, no. Yeah. Do you need to go and train tonight? Or why are you Mad. You're getting a bit obsessed with that. Why are you weighing your food? That's a bit obsessive. That's not normal. Or if you're a girl, ooh, you're looking a bit gaunt. Hey, fuck all you people. You don't look gaunt, okay? What happens is your face is slimming and you look good. And dude, weighing your food or prepping your food, that's admirable. That's not weird. You know, these people are just trying to shut you down, so ignore them. And I had this chat with somebody recently as well. I said, you know, you need to take a look at the people in your life. Do they stoke the flames of your fire or do they piss on your fire? Because if at any point somebody isn't helping make the flames of your life bigger and higher and hotter, why are they in your life? And, you know, you hear those people say, we'll just say, you know, oh, you know, John or Emily. Yeah, they're all right most of the time. Well, hang on a minute. That means, that means some of the time they're, they're assholes. So why even put up with that in your existence? You don't need to find and, and when you get rid of these people you open up yourself to go and do what you want to do without these naysayers and you'll meet more like-minded people on that path so you end up surrounded by a positive group of people rather than these naysayers or people that want to hold you back because they're not willing to do the same work and don't want to see you because it's way do better because it's easier to pull others down than raise yourself up completely agree. Fact. if i if it's i look fair. if i look around the people that are around me now people I went to school and university with, there's a handful of that remained because they are genuine, supportive, good mm -hmm. people. The vast majority of my closest friends now, I've met over the last five years since I've regularly been posting on Instagram and creating a personal brand that has drawn people towards me or I've connected with them. And they're people that I spend time with now because they, they push me in a positive direction. And yeah. that's not to say you should drown out people that aren't just yes men and like hype you up, but drown out people that are not no, we're not talking about yes men. We're talking about people that will challenge you, but also, you know, give you good ideas and question you when you have an idea about, okay, well, what's, what's the theory behind that? Where's your thing? You know, they push you to look at things in different angles, but also there might be people that go, that's a damn good idea. We could do that together. You're like, fuck yeah. You know, rather than somebody who's like, why are you doing that? That's weird. That's not normal. Well, fuck normal. You know what normal is? Not that 1%. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. You're not it. normal. Take that as a compliment. Like, awesome. I don't want to be normal. You're normal. I don't want to be like you. You know what I mean? What stands out in your early days with Gymshark and your content creation, Lex? What are some of the highs? For me, it was the people. It was always the people. It was just a great group, you know, and it was the golden era. It's, it's not that anymore. You know, we can all see that now on YouTube. We don't, we don't get that same crossover because... Uh, companies have got so big now that everything's so sectioned off. Whereas in that heyday, everything was the wild west. You know, we would just, we would all group together in locations and go and do these mad events. And nobody knew how it was going to turn out. And that was half of the fun of it. So there's a real excitement and buzz there. We can all see now how body power is like basically committed suicide by trying to make too much money out of itself rather than staying in its roots and its roots were, you know, bringing a community of people together to cause encouragement and motivation. And they lost that out to trying to make, you know, people pay 50 quid a day to just walk around a giant hall. It's, yeah, you know, and, and then they charged 
the stand so much money to be there, the stand stopped going because it wasn't worth them. They couldn't make the money back. It was impossible. Um, so we were in that heyday where everything was new and, and there was this excitement of, of these times where people you'd never seen were all suddenly in one place. And that, that was, that was to be in that was, it was, it was luck and, and a privilege to do it because it will never happen again. That won't happen again now. There's too many people coming. We all, the, the big difference is, is we all went online to share shit for free. We didn't get any money. There was no monetization on YouTube at the time. There was, you know, we, we, the best most of us got was, you know, a, a local supplement company would give us a tub of protein a month just to, to have their name on your videos. You know, and we were consistently putting out good content for nothing other than the pure fact we wanted to share what we were learning. Now people are coming online to make money from you. And that's the problem. Uh, you know, that, it's, to what you did. It was an innocence and a passion. Yeah, it was pure. It was passionate and pure. Yeah. And it's like the, the same issue with people lies with supermarkets is people believe that a supermarket or a food chain cares about you. You know, that's it's like that's what social media is now. They're the supermarkets of, of what we of the corner shop that we were. You know, a little corner shop where you went with the nana who was there and she'd know your name when you went in and she'd know what you wanted. That was what we were, and now it's a supermarket. And all they want is you to spend money until you die. But they don't care when you die. And that's what people need to understand. One, that's what a lot of social media is now. They don't care about you, even though they're seemingly trying to. You've got to kind of dig deeper and see, are they really or are they just a charlatan? Because if you can find the true people, there's some absolute golden nuggets on there. And they will literally change the way you perceive life if you can do it. But if you get stuck with these supermarket s social media brands, it, it's... Uh, what's the word diluting is what it is yeah and i know it's hard and there's so much information out there but if you do truly appreciate a content creator who you follow show them loyalty stick with them you know share their stuff comment on the things get involved with what they're doing because those guys are working hard amidst other people who are working to make money from you um and, and you that's what one of the biggest things i say is support your creators because YouTube isn't supporting them anymore. Instagram isn't supporting them anymore. They're making them pay to be seen, even though their content is genuine and pure. And all these supermarket brands of social media are coming in and paying for their shit to be shared to you. And that's why you're seeing it. Not because they care, but because they paid for it to be shoved in your face. Yeah. Um, and the more you realize that, the cleaner your timeline will become of just stuff that actually benefits you. So rather than you, so my, my timeline at the moment, timeline at the moment is UFC stuff, MMA things. Um, some of the, some of the more uh, intensive training guys who break down the mechanics of the body and rehab work. Um, and then to walk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. People like that. There's um, Vinny rehab. He's called online. He's amazing. The, the, the dude will just change people's people who've been told they've been crippled, can't do something. He literally will fix them. Like he, they're incredible. And then also I have, you know, animal voiceovers. <laughs> so that's my timeline. Fighting, body mechanics, a cat talking to a dog as a voiceover. Perfect. And that's my day. So my timeline's quite happy, but also limited. It's not just an endless feed of just stuff to drag me down a rabbit hole. Yeah, absolutely. And I think being purposeful with what we consume is massively helpful for our well-being as well which we've kind of touched on throughout this discussion the, the, the last thing i want to go with you Lex, conscious of the time that we spent together is 
what maintains your appetite for content creation? You spoke there about the support of people. Um, yeah. What keeps you going? Because your longevity is something that stands out. You said before that some people have fallen off during this period. Um, even Matt August doesn't really create anymore. Who was the man that started? An awful yeah, lot of people who know Matt, that's Matt's. That's nothing to do with anything but Matt. He is a bit like that. He's He gets really OCD about stuff. And if he can't do it perfectly, he doesn't do it at all. Like you can see that in his weight training. There is nobody more impressive. There's nobody more impressively boring than Matt is with his training. He's he's edging up weights by micro amounts. He's absolutely obsessive, which is why he is as insane as he is in the way he looks and how perfect he is in the way he lifts. And he still gets hurt, which is something to take into account as well. Even somebody with such perfection can't avoid these variables of, of stuff going wrong and getting hurt. He's had some serious shoulder and chest issues that have happened to him that he's had to work through so but he is like that it's either all or nothing with Matt and he always has been so he kind of you know if he's happy where he is in life he just kind of sits there for a bit and enjoys it and then he'll decide where he wants to go and then you'll see him again um Lovato on the other hand <laughs> Lovato we we used to have to bully Chris to put content up we I think one of the boys actually sent him a video camera it was like will you please film stuff because you're awesome and people need to see more of you, but you, and he, but he just never really gave a shit about that. He didn't, doesn't need online adoration and he's a really good PT and he has a, a, a online PT company where he deals with, you know, X amount of people who are constantly coming back to him, being on, you know, and improving and getting better and learning. So he has a really stable income from all that side. So, he, and it's really nice to see he never relied on the socials because Relying on socials for your income is a scary thing right now because they can change things just overnight, which they have done, which is why you think you've seen people fall off, which again is why I say support your creators. Many people haven't fallen off. YouTube are just not showing you that they're uploading. Like I have over a million subscribers. Less than 1% of my subscribers see that I upload. I think it's even less than 1%. It's despicable. And I, you can go from getting like a couple of thousand views on something to getting a couple of million views on something if YouTube suddenly makes money from this one video. But then they don't reward you by showing anything else that you've put up. So they're, they're literally, they're, all YouTube cares about is revenue. Their content is secondary to revenue. And that's what needs to change, in my opinion. But I don't know how that would change. Yeah. And because you part coming out, that'll probably change it. Somebody a competitor. Nothing, nothing is going to be able to challenge it though. It's too big. Yeah. It's like trying to take down a government. It's just, it's it's in control of too much. It's too many investors, too much money involved. It's, a, it's probably worth billions now, YouTube. Yeah. So it's, what keeps yeah, you going, though, X? What keeps what keeps the fire lit for you to keep creating content? Well, I've realised that I have to just start putting out things that I enjoy and stop worrying about what YouTube might want. And so that's what I'm getting back to. As we were talking before we came online, I'm going to start doing a lot more of this sat speaking to camera about tough topics and just being raw about it and breaking it down so that hopefully people can see this tough topic. Actually, it's not that tough once you break it down and look at its foundations and realize that the moment, like one of the biggest things that people get the wrong way around is finding out they've been doing something wrong. A lot of, I mean, would you see that as a negative or a positive if you find out you've been doing something wrong? Um. Probably a positive because it would mean I could take action on a solution. Now that's the mindset and that's why you do what you do. It's growth mindset. Most people, yeah. most people would see it 
I'm doing that wrong. God damn it. All this time wasted. Da, da, da. No, the moment you see there's an error, oh, now you can fix that and you're going to see some results from fixing it. And that's exactly how you saw it then. But that's not a normal mentality, but that's what we need to teach people that it should be. Finding errors is, so being positively critical is a fantastic ability to develop because it takes this seemingly negative thing and turns it into a positive. So that negative energy that would have maybe dragged some of the stuff down, like we said before, crept into other things. Well, I've done that wrong there and I did that wrong there today at work. And uh, I did, you know, I was trying to fix this and I couldn't bloody do it. And slowly those negatives build up. You start switching it and saying, well, oh, that was an error, but oh, we know where that error was. So let's fix that and see what we get next time. That, that'll be interesting, you know? And it's this, and it is really this small manipulation of, of positive energy or mindsets that makes such a massive difference. And it sounds hippie-ish and it sounds silly, until you do it and you know that's and i think the more we can get people trying things and understanding that it, it might feel a little silly at first to sit with your eyes closed listening to this essentially what's dictated as hippie music you know but there's you know those binaural tones that are going on in that music that you weren't aware of are having a massive effect on your body putting your feet on the earth another silly thing that's you know we got tree huggers was you know a negative connotation but there is an actual real benefit to going out into nature, like you said. And the reason you put your hands on the tree is because we walk around in rubber soles, but by putting our hands on the tree is connecting you to the earth. And we have a charge running through our body and you can literally measure dissipation of charge from your body. You can see the charge drop if you touch a tree or if you go and put your feet on the earth, it helps reset you. We're supposed to be part of the planet and everyone keeps this. We have this idea that we were, born into this world we weren't born into it we were born from it powerful mate yeah and, and but when you start thinking of things like that and and strip away all the silliness and just look at well we are a being born you know from this world we should be in contact with it but instead we put ourselves in these concrete boxes and separate ourselves out and cluster ourselves into single areas and decimate everything that was there so that we can plant some concrete down and live on it you know yeah, get out in nature and start breathing that fresh air, getting out in the morning, getting the sun on your skin. It's going to help your mental health massively and boost your energy levels. From what um, you're saying, Lex, I think you have a message that you want to continue to share, and that's what keeps you going in some sense. And we also spoke earlier about you speaking to your followers and subscribers about things that you need to remember as well and reminding yeah. yourself. And that seems like quite a noble combination where, listen, I'm learning too. I'm going to keep sharing what's working for me and what's helping me. But best believe I need to share this because I think that more people can live a better life by listening to what I've got to say. And that's what's kept you going for a very long time now. And if, if this is the kind of content you're going to produce, that chat that we've just had there, then long may it continue because I think people yeah. will be tremendously from that. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to drill it out and hope that, you know, volume will start to allow it to be picked up by the algorithm because these type of things that we can do here, there's them so much easier than filming a 20 minute video of it, aren't they? But so much more powerful, really. And I think because of Joe Rogan and people like that, more people are realizing how important it is to sit and listen to talks and listen to people just discussing topics because it's passive learning. It's easy, you know? Um, and like you said, that getting people to just understand that, the, you know, saying that silly thing you think in your head about something, say it out loud and all of a sudden you realize 80% of other people think the same stupid thing. 
And now all of a sudden you're alleviated from thinking that you're weird and odd for having that thought. It, it's, and then, ah, oh, and it frees you from the worry of, well, you know, I, I used to think this all the time. Yeah, so did I. Really? It's like the fact time I found out my buddy Sal, yeah, I'm calling you out, Sal, waxed his eyebrows. And I thought he was just a beautiful Egyptian bloke and naturally had these wonderful eyebrows until one day he admitted he was getting them shaped. And I was like, you son of a bitch. And then I went and got my eyebrows shaped because he broke the boundary, made it not, you know, daft analogy, but you can see what I mean. And the moment he did, it was, oh, it's okay for me to do that then. Go, cool, chum, you know? Yeah. And it's, that it's as silly as that, but it, it can have such an effect. Like we connected because we did the Slater shoot together. We would have never maybe met had we not gone, gone and, you know, just taken a chance to go and do this, this idea that Slater's had. Yeah. You know, which was be so open and vulnerable in that space as well to know each other quite well. Yeah. And because we've been on social media, we kind of, it's easier for us to just be a little bit more vulnerable because we're used to putting things out there and people seeing it unlike others who aren't kind of on that platform, they might otherwise not hear that because other people won't just share it in everyday life. So that's, we have a responsibility there to almost share these silly things so other people understand it's just normal to have these silly ideas or daft thoughts or negative thoughts about things or doubts. Yeah, last, last question, Lex, and this is firing off hard in my head. Uh, during this period when, and I'm going to call it lower, Lex, you maybe weren't feeling at your best, but yeah. people were still quite reliant on you to be a source of inspiration and motivation. Yeah. And you, you, you took that on. Did that feel like a heavy cross to bear during this period? Yeah. So, well, just to give clarity on things, obviously I went through, um, I went through a cluster of other things. So I lost my grandfather who was really close to me. He was 99 years old legend, you know, but he is still a huge loss to my life. That was the man who, held my hand as a child, taught me to ride a bike. He was the guy who taught me to be the man I am. So I lost him, which then followed in. I had a breakdown in my marriage and I'd moved to a place where I wasn't surrounded by friends. This was a place uh, that I picked due to business location. It was easy to get to Birmingham or London. Um, so relatively segregated and then COVID hitting, boom, you know, that all that down. Then mum got the cancer scare and had to have the full hysterectomy and then had to care for her having her here. You know, there was a whole load of things going on and I could have, it could have very easily all imploded, but actually getting messages from other people who were struggling in similar situations because I was being open about them helped talk to each other because I was able to say, well, I was able to look and understand, see they were feeling this way even more so than I was. So hell I'm doing pretty well actually I'm, I'm holding up pretty well. And that made me, you know, a bit of confidence. I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing this to help me get through that moment. Like one, if, you know, some of you had lost people recently and it's upsetting and you're struggling to deal with it. One of the best things I found was whenever you have a happy memory of that person is to just write it down in a journal and have a little journal of happy stories that you have of those people. And every time you start to feel a little down, or a little bit take, taken back because that person's no longer there because you have those moments of sudden realization that they're gone again and almost it hits you all over. Go to the journal, pick it up and start reading through those, through those happy memories again and realize, damn, aren't you lucky? Aren't you lucky and privileged to have had somebody in your life that has all these happy stories that you're able to miss so much because they're worth missing? And when you start these little things and just repeat them, whenever you start to struggle, one, it teaches you to catch yourself when you're struggling but two teaches you to switch your mindset of that struggle and focus on the positive again 
that was a little one that really helped me with my granddad. And I start also another thing for just people who have lost anyone, start looking around your home. I guarantee you'll start to see them in things you never realized before. I didn't realize until someone pointed out that my living room is inspired by my granddad and I never even realized it. So it's got part pieces of his furniture in it, which I always knew, but then I didn't understand that um, other aspects of what I've done with through my childhood with him were spilling over into my other decorations around the room. So these people are always with you in some some aspect. They're always around you. You know, their their impression on your world is still there. And even when you spot these things and notice them, now when you see them, they make you smile because it's this little little nod towards that time they were with you. You know, so little things like that and that throughout you can find those similar little things to do for every scenario that was just a specific one for if you if you lost somebody but just find those flip points like okay so you've broken up with somebody bad okay but wasn't a waste of your time because on that relationship you've learned a number of things one that you liked and two other things you didn't like it didn't work also be aware that your brain has a really handy mechanism of erasing negative memories much faster than positive memories Hence the saying rose-tinted glasses. It's why people get back together, isn't it? Quite a lot of the time when they shouldn't. Yeah. Scientifically proven, the brain rids ourselves of negative memories quicker than positives, which is a self, it's a self-healing mechanism, isn't it? So that's why, yeah, you look back with just all these wonderful thoughts about the relationship that's now lost. But there was a real reason why you came to a point of it ending. There were real reasons why it ended. And you you've got to remember that. But also now, wow you're free with no compromise to anybody to go and do anything you want to do. You are beholden to no one anymore. You're free. Go take advantage of that. Go experience new things, try new things. And guess what? Once again, you'll meet new people, like-minded people who will probably, you know, you might find a new something there when you're ready. Yeah. But if you don't, if you just sit and wallow in this misery of everything you've lost, well, what are you going to gain from sitting and doing nothing? Beautiful, Lex. I absolutely love yeah. that. And I've absolutely loved this conversation. I'm sure the listeners have we've as well. We've gone an hour already. Oh, more than that, Lex. We've gone for we've gone for ages, but I've absolutely loved it. Um, ah. Where would you like people to go to continue the conversation with you, Lex? Where should they head? So got to you. got my YouTube channel. Um, obviously, on, on everything, I'm pretty much Lex Fitness. Other than Twitter, which for some reason, I'm, I think I'm Sir Lexington or Lexatron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure why. Oh no, I'm I'm Lexanidas <laughs> because I was obsessed with I don't know why at the time I must have got obsessed with 300, but um and I did, I never cared about Twitter so I had a daft name on there. But yeah, if you just search Lex Fitness on YouTube, and um, there's going to be a lot of things coming on a lot like we're doing now, but me talking to the camera about the subjects. But also we've got the podcast which is its own thing together, which is the Crewcast, and we run that. There's a fresh episode every single Monday. Hopefully we'll get you on. Yeah, That's well, why I was cool. asking if you were going to be in England anytime soon. You can get you down, come stay at the house, and we'll do some training together. And yeah, we'll podcast. train the podcast. I'd absolutely love that. And yeah. um, so where, wherever you're listening to this, guys, you can find the Crewcast as well. It's on all platforms. Yeah, it's on everything. But we actually have a privilege as well is we have Spotify video. So we are one of the elite. And uh, I don't know how we did it. But we got it. So there's like us and Joe Rogan and a few other people we have. So you can watch us on Spotify like you would watch us on YouTube. Um, but I'll, can we put links on these things or not? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll link the, the show notes below. Yeah, I'll link the crew yeah, cast so. on Spotify. We'll, we'll, we'll but yeah, the, you can find us. We're on um, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all over the show. Um, Stitcher. Is Stitcher? I don't know if Stitcher is a thing, but everyone seems to link it. So we're on there. 
yeah. Google Music, Apple, Apple Podcast, the whole shebang. Just search okay. the Crewcast and look for that logo and you'll find us. And it's myself and Lou. And we do similar to you. We just talk about life's things that have gone on or hot topics at the time. And we usually do it with a glass of whiskey and the odd cigar as well. And we, we do a few whiskey. We'll, we'll, we'll talk you through the whiskey we're drinking as well each time. And we've actually got people who've gone and they've like bought a whiskey a week every time we've gone. Well, it's whiskey or rums usually. So people keep sending us pictures of their drinks cabinets that's just full of <laughs> the last week's worth of stuff. It's really cool. Uh, but you'll see when you come on, you know, we, 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 it's just blokes talking. And again, same thing, very open, dealing with problems, people sending the questions as well. So we always put out a question uh, on, on my Instagram, which is Lex underscore fitness. Um, we'll always put out kind of on the day questions for the crew cast and we spend the final 30 minutes answering people's questions and covering those things. And they can be as stupid as you want or as real as you want. And we'll, we'll answer them all equally. I love it, Lex. I've loved the conversation. I'm sure you guys have as well. If you have done, please take a screenshot, pop it on your Instagram, tag me at call.cambro, tag Lex, and I'll be back to speak to you all again very, very soon. Boom, baby. <laughs>